Hi, welcome to Self Made with D Brown, CEO. I'm Jamel Wright, president of Eureka College and your guest host for this episode. Today, turnabout is fair play, as I have the distinct honor and privilege of interviewing the man himself behind Self Made, entrepreneur, producer, author, philanthropist, and of course, talk show host, Mr. D Brown, CEO. D Brown, CEO, may need no introduction, but part of giving people their flowers while living means also giving them their props. And Mr. Brown has several accomplishments that are definitely worth noting. D Brown, CEO, has been the first, best, and only many times over the course of his 28-year record of real estate sales, development, management, and success overseeing all phases of multi-million dollar construction, infrastructure, water, sewer, and environmental projects for government and private sector clients. He holds a bachelor's degree from the University of Memphis, an MBA from Bethel University, and holds countless certifications and key memberships, like his memberships with Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated and the NAACP. Without further ado, it is my distinct pleasure to welcome D. Brown, CEO, as our special guest today. Hello. Hey, thank you. So great to have you there in the hot seat today. Hey, I'm happy to be here. And more importantly than you being in the hot seat, I will tell you what I really appreciate is your willingness to share your very inspiring journey and your story with your viewers today. Oh, I'm always willing to, uh, to share my story. I think it's an important story. And, um, you know, not just mine, but anyone that's accomplishing things, um, I think we need to get that message out to help others understand and realize they can achieve as well. Absolutely. Well, so let's talk about young D. Brown. Let's okay. start. Let's start with the young D. Brown from from the South. OK. Tell me. Tell me that story. Tell me about your experience as a young D. Brown growing up in the South. So I grew up in a rural Mississippi town and uh, I didn't really have, you know, any particular advantages in life. Um, you know, we had a you know community. Uh, we, I didn't rec recognize that we um, were, were, were basically poor. I mean, my mom worked. I mean, we, we had the things we needed. Uh, so I, you know, we didn't miss meals, but I didn't recognize that there were, there was a whole different world out there until later in, you know, later in life. Uh, but growing up in rural Mississippi, um, you know, you, you just do the things that, 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 that are free primarily, and you have a great time doing it, you know, right. shooting marbles, um, you know, we, we would go on vacation. Uh, we never flew. We would uh, pack the car up, you know, with uh, a cooler, uh, Cokes, uh, sandwiches, that sort of thing. And we'll go and travel to St. Louis and, you know, go to Six Flags or stay with family, that sort of thing. But, um, you know, single, single mother household. Uh, my grandfather uh, did help raise me mm. uh, as well. And, um, you know, it was just, uh, it, was, it was good times though. You know, no, no complaints whatsoever. You know, talk about that. So you talked a little bit about your, you grew up with a single mother. Right. Right. Uh, and, and I want you to know, first of all, those road trips sound fun because that was, was my stomping ground. Right. St. Louis, Six Flags, <laughs> yes. you know, that's, that's it for me. So, but, but you talked about your grandfather, the role of your grandfather as well in your life. There are so many young people, especially young people of color who grow up in single, 
you know, family households, especially single mothers right. with single mothers whose grandparents help in some significant way to raise Absolutely. them. And sometimes there are struggles that come along with that for some of those young people. What are some words of advice that you have uh, about that experience for you and how that may have helped to strengthen you? Well, I think that it obviously helped to strengthen me because um, you had to figure out a lot of things on your own. My, my grandfather had a third grade education. I mean, he was a, uh, basically most of my life he was retired uh, because he was older. And um, my mom, you know, she worked 12 hours a day, sometimes 16 hours a day as a nurse. Uh, she was an LPN until we, until my senior year of high school, she became an RN. And so, you know, obviously we had more access because she was doing, doing better, but without my grandfather, uh, you know, we would have been essentially alone um, without a parent at all most of the time. So he was, a, uh, you know, a crucial piece to uh, ha us having a stable uh, voice there to, to, to lead us in the right direction. Yes. So my advice to, to young people that are in that situation is to really just try to focus on your goals and what you want to accomplish and not be a follower. Because mm -hmm. one of the things about being in, you know, in a uh, impoverished community, there's more opportunities to do, to do wrong than there are to do something positive. Well, and that's a really good point because, and you are a shining example of, of doing that. So you're not just saying it, but young people should know and understand that you have walked that walk. No, and absolutely. And you have experienced that. Absolutely. And you have this great entrepreneurial vision uh, that, that, you know, and seen so much great success. And so the, the question I have around that is just talk a little bit about some of the challenges with exploring and pursuing that path. I mean, when you're talking about being an entrepreneur, seeing the success that you have, surely you have some thoughts about the challenges and how to overcome them. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, the biggest challenge that you have to contend with is that fear of failure. Mm. Most people are afraid to fail because they are concerned about how they will look to other people. You know, people will you know, laugh at you or talk about you or whatever, and so people tend not to want to take chances because they are afraid of failure. And so what I learned early on was that uh, failure is part of the, the, the ingredients that actually uh, contribute to your success. I mean, that's just part of the story. And so for every successful person that you see, if you kind of could peel back the onion, so to speak, and, and look at what's inside, you're gonna see a series of successes and failures, uh, setbacks, but what you have to do is, is be um, of the mindset that you can uh, overcome you know, any failure to achieve what you want to achieve. Yes, that is a really important lesson to talk about those failures and how they contribute to your success. So in addition to allowing the failures and learning from those failures, what would you say are some of the other keys to your success? What would you attribute your success to? I think there are a number of things that uh, have contributed to my success. Um, I think one is my, uh, my commitment. When I set my mind to, um, to do something, uh, I'm gonna be committed to it. And so while others may feel the desire to go and do things that are you know, more, that have more immediate gratification tied to it, I'm gonna stay the course uh, to accomplish what I want to accomplish. I think number two is that uh, I'm a, you know, I execute. Uh, so I tell people all the time, uh, everyone have dreams. So you're not the only person that's sitting around thinking about what you could do, what you could be. 
the difference is your willingness, your willingness to execute. Uh, a dream without execution is just a good night's sleep, right? So you have to execute. Uh, the third thing is that, uh, you know, building a team. Uh, no matter how smart you are, you can't be an expert in every subject matter. And so I recognize that my strength is in being a visionary. I have a, you know, very, I've been blessed with a, a keen sense to be able to see things down the road. But where I succeed at is when I'm able to put people around me who can strengthen me in the areas that I'm weak. And so, and, and I always talk about, whenever I talk about accomplishments, I always talk about it from the standpoint of team, us, we. It's not a lot of I. You know, because I understand that I can't do the things I do by myself. And so I think that those kind of ingredients uh, are, are very important. And then I, I close it out with a mindset. How a person view themselves, how they view their situation uh, is critical to their success. Someone once said that the, the, the person that think he can and the person that think he can't are typically both correct. And so your mindset is critical to that. Uh, I, I have an analogy that I use all the time, and I, it refers to the lion and the lion being the king of the jungle. But if you look at the lion, there's absolutely no reason that the lion should be king of the jungle mm. because the lion is not the fastest animal in the jungle. Right. That's right. the cheetah. Right. That's right. It's not the biggest animal in the jungle because, because that's the elephant. Mm -hmm. And it's not the smartest animal in the jungle because that would be the orangutan. But the lion is the king of the jungle. And the reason that the lion is the king of the jungle is for one reason. It's the mindset. The lion, when the lion look at the elephant, the elephant, he sees dinner. The elephant look at the lion. He th he's thinking about fleeing. He's thinking about running. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes in life, we miss our opportunities because we are afraid and we run and we run from opportunities. And so I think that mindset, if you have all those other components, but your mindset is not right, you still won't be able to achieve success. Wow. And that that is actually very insightful. Uh, I'm going to use that if you don't mind me Ab borrowing that absolutely. About, about the lion being the king of the jungle. I'll tell my lawyers not to write you. That's right. That's right. I, I'm saying it on, on TV. So so we'll, we'll and you, you right, allow me. Right. To use we got a, a, it. So, a oral contract right, right. We now. We have an oral contract right now. And I happen to be a Leo is my sign. So okay. I'm the queen of the jungle. And, and I think this is why, you know, yeah, absolutely. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Now, you talked a lot about team. Yes. Now, I've had the pleasure of meeting your amazing and intelligent and wonderful wife. Absolutely. And uh, I, I would say that she has to be the centerpiece of your team. Yes, And absolutely. such an important part of your team. So in addition to her, I know you also have six children. Correct. Uh, I'd like to know about family and the role family plays in contributing to your success and to, to that team concept that you talked about. So to kind of set the stage, my, so my oldest daughter works for me. My oldest son worked for me and uh, I have another son that's in L.A. that I've been trying to get to come home and work for me. And he tells me, yes, but he hasn't shown up. But that's a whole nother story. OK. But um, family is the centerpiece uh, around why I do what I do. I think that if um, if I didn't have children or family, I probably would have you know, made my money and said, you know what? 
it's been a good run. You know, mm-hmm. I, I can go just hang out and go on vacations. And mm-hmm. but I felt like with family and with you know, children and grandchildren, for me, it's about legacy. It's mm-hmm. about building something uh, that's bigger than me, because one of the things that is true in this country that there's there's a, a wealth gap. Uh, between you know African Americans and, and and whites in this country, and one of the one of the reasons that that wealth gap exists is because African Americans own less real estate, uh, they have accumulated less savings, mm-hmm. and there's a deficit in financial literacy. And so, from my perspective, one of the things that I try and you know sometimes to a fault uh-huh. uh, to do is to make sure that my children have every opportunity to succeed and that there there's no barrier to them achieving something for financial reasons if they don't accomplish their goals mm-hmm. it's going to be because they were not willing to put in the work to see it through but i can provide them with the support and the resources to do whatever they want to do provided they are committed to that mm-hmm. and so for me that's the purpose uh because i want to one day see one of my children you know, at the head of my organization. Oh, wow. And that would be amazing. And Absolutely. you certainly have cleared the pathway, as you said, for your children. And I'm sure education is also a part of those lessons. Education, uh, that is, you're a, is, them. A, education is a significant part of, of the lesson because even though, and I try to explain this, but I'm, I'm not telling you know anyone that a degree is going to make you rich or make you successful because we know that there are instances where you get a degree and you're unemployable for whatever reason, for a variety of reasons. But what a degree does is it takes away at least one excuse a person can use not to give you an opportunity. And so from my perspective, it's about not putting yourself in in a position to be excluded because we know that in this country that degrees have to some extent been used as a way to exclude individuals from qualifying for opportunities. And you can overcome that one, you can check that one box Mm -hmm. because you have that degree. And so, and also in addition to that, it it makes you a a well-rounded person. Uh, It it also uh, shows a level of discipline because once you get to college, you, there's no one there making you go to class. There's no one there holding your hand. And so it, it's the first opportunity that you have to be out on your own and, and, and really make a commitment yes. and see it, see it through uh, on your own. So I think that uh, education is, is, is a critical piece. It's a, it's a game changer for us. It is. And I hope that uh, this, my students at Eureka College are listening to this uh, as you're talking about it. In fact, I'm going to make sure that they, they watch and listen to, to you say this. Uh, as someone who's been in higher education for well over 20 years, yes. I can attest and affirm every single thing you just said, even in my own pursuit of a Ph.D. So right. one of the other things you and I share in common besides a love of education and family is we're both members of a divine nine. Absolutely. Or organization, uh, mine being Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, yours, of course, being as a distinguished man of Kappa Alpha Psi, Fraternity Incorporated. Can you talk a little about how Kappa Alpha Psi has influenced your life? You know, uh, being a member has provided not only, you know, social infrastructure, uh, networking opportunities, but it's also allowed me to uh, expand uh, my reach in terms of uh, community service. 
Of course, through, through the Brown Foundation, uh, we are committed to communities you know, around the country, but being a member of Kappa Alpha Psi has allowed me to broaden my reach. And so there have been a number of occasions where my foundation has partnered with my chapter that I'm a charter member of to do philanthropic work in communities. And so we, we may end up from the foundation side because we don't have as much human resources as the fraternity, we, we will provide dollars uh, to a cause and then partner with our fraternity and use the human capital of the fraternity to carry that mission through. And it's been a great, it's been a great partnership. And also from a networking perspective, I can't begin to tell you how many doors, you know, I've had open for me uh, because of my, my, my membership with Cap Alpha Psi. So it's, it's one that has been a very, uh, a fulfilling and rewarding uh, ex you know, experience and, and it's one of the best decisions I've made in my life. Oh, fantastic. Now I wanna, you, you've touched on a couple of threads that I'm gonna pull later on philanthropy and of course on your legacy. Before that though, something that is very important I know to both of us, again, another thing we share in common is we are both very open about the importance of self-care. Oh, absolutely. And I just wonder, and, and, and I know that w you and I uh, could not operate at such a high level, you especially, without focusing on self-care and having a self-care routine. Right. So will you talk just briefly about your philosophy around self-care and share whatever you feel comfortable about your self-care routine? Sure. So um, from a self-care perspective, one, one of the things that I, that I know, uh, and that's true, it really doesn't matter how successful you are how much money you have if you're in poor health. So recognizing that to enjoy the fruits of your labor, one of the, the first things you have to do is to make sure that you're in good physical health, good mental health. And so that's something that I take very seriously. And so from a, from a physical health perspective, I do two physicals a year. I do kind of a general routine physical, and then I do a, an executive physical. And so I, take, I have a physical every six months. Uh, I also, I work out typically 45 minutes to an hour a day, and I try to do that five to six days a week. And I do that because I understand that in order to try to maintain a healthy weight, to try to maintain, uh, you know, all your other, uh, you know, whether it's blood pressures or, mm -hmm. you know, all those things that you have to be concerned about, uh, being an African-American, and yes. especially as you get older as well. So I exercise. And it, it, I also have a routine where I do uh, IV treatments every week uh, for multivitamins. And I do that because I'm always on the go. I'm always touching people, yes. uh, shaking hands, mm -hmm. in and out of airports, holding the rail on the train. <laughs> and so you just think about it from this perspective, you're like, I'm germ infested. So, <laughs> so I do, uh, so I do a, an IV treatment okay. uh, once a week for multivitamins and, and all of that. And I do that whether I'm traveling, I have a mobile unit come to my hotel. If I'm at home, I have a membership that I go to. And I just make sure that um, I do that so I can, stay, I can stay healthy because there are a lot of people uh, relying on me being in, you know, in tip-top shape. So Absolutely. I think that's a responsibility mm, that I have to my organization. Yes, it's act, I tell people all the time, it's actually self more selfish not to take care of yourself Absolutely. than it is selfish to choose you. That's right, right? I agree. To choose you and, and you so just, you and you just feel better, you can, you know. Absolutely. I, I hear people, you know, um, come up with all kinds of excuses why they can't do things, mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, you have to make time for that. Absolutely. So let's talk about this uh, philanthropy a little bit more sure. um, and, and talk about your, your philanthropist mindset, your approach in terms of philanthropy. What, are, what, what, do you, what would you say around, around that particular question? Well, my number one mission 
through uh, our philanthropic efforts uh, is to create to increase access okay. to, 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 to education for uh, individuals coming from impoverished situations. And so we know that disproportionately those are going to be communities of color. And so what we try to do is initiate programs that can empower and provide opportunities to, to have that access available. And so some of the things that we're doing on the philanthropic side is through the Brown Foundation, uh, we have the Math and Reading Academy. Okay. And that's where uh, my foundation partnered with the P3 Group, my, my uh, for-profit company, and we established a summer reading program called the Brown Foundation Math and Reading Academy within communities that we provide services on the, on the for-profit side. It's our way of giving back to those communities. Okay. And we enroll students and allow them to come, come into that program and get, um, because you know, there's a deficit that's created over the summertime. Uh, and we try to help provide this uh, resource to help close that gap on that. And then what we do the students that are enrolled in the program that successfully complete the one-week program, yes, okay. then they get a $50 gift card at the end mm -hmm. of the program. Attend, have no absences, and complete the program, you get, a, you get a $50 gift card. And so we're doing that around uh, in numerous states around the country. Uh, we also have our uh, scholarships and endowments uh, that we have established at a number of uh, HBCUs and minority-serving institutions, you know, so such as Jackson State University, Florida mm -hmm. State uh, uh, Florida uh, A&M uh, University, Coahoma uh, Community College, okay. uh, just a variety of institutions. And we have other others slated uh, for this year. Uh, we have our Attack on Hunger program mm -hmm. where we are trying to address the um, food insecurity issue on college campuses because we know that kids and people don't realize this, but as much oh. as a third of the students on college campuses suffer from food insecurity. That's right. That's true. And so we're trying to help uh, eradicate that issue by uh, you know partnering with campuses and providing healthy food options in a manner that's not embarrassing uh, to the individuals that need that assistance right. and so that we can deal with that problem uh, on college campuses now of course we can't solve every problem that's right. but right. we can do our part and then we have our 10 grand for your band initiative which is uh, an initiative we launched with HBCUs where we will donate ten thousand dollars to directly to the band mm -hmm. In, in exchange for the band forming uh, our company, P3, on the field at halftime. Oh, wow. And so we, we uh, launched that program because we realized how vital the bands are to the HBCU experience. Absolutely. And even though they are so important, they are typically underfunded and, and lack the resources uh, the, that a lot of the other areas may have on campus. And so we launched that program to, to, to infuse capital directly into that program. Okay. And, and it's been a good, uh, good relationship with a number of universities that we've done that with, uh, from University of Arkansas Pine Bluff to uh, Jackson State, Alcorn State. Uh, so it's been a really good program. So we, we're big on education. Yes. Well, and that's that's evident. And now more than ever, both the focus is on math and reading for young people. There's it's even more of a deficit with right. all the disruptions over the last couple of years. Right. So that's critically important. And then you're absolutely right about food insecurity. And some people wouldn't wouldn't believe that, as you said, right. but that is an absolute it's correct an unbelievable statistic. statistic. It is statistic. absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. So that's some great work doing that. And I'm sure you Thank involve you. your children in your philanthropic efforts or at least get yes. them trained early. And that's right. In terms of giving back, so yeah, which my, is important. my son is actually a board member of, of the foundation as well. Oh, fantastic! Yep. Well, just a couple other quick questions. One, you your accolades are endless and def definitely something to be in awe of. What's what would you say is uh, an award that you're the most proud of? I would say 
probably, I think the uh, Thurgood Marshall uh, Legacy Award from the United States uh, Contractors Association is a significant award. Uh, just because with, when you think about the legacy of Thurgood Marshall yes. and the role that he played in, uh, as being the chief architect of the legal theory that led to the end of segregation. Mm. Uh, so right. you think about the work that he's done and, and, and his legacy, I think it's an honor. And then to be recognized by an organization uh, that's led by your peers yes. uh, is very significant. So I, I would say that's a very big honor. Uh, and I would say next to that would probably be um, selected by Forbes to sit on the real estate council. Uh, that was one that was shocking, mm -hmm. you know, uh, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. then, uh, but it's been a good relationship there as well, so. Great, great. Well, and that Thurgood Marshall Award, that Legacy Award, yeah. is actually sitting here. Uh, Absolutely. So, so yeah, and I, I, I understand why you would select <laughs> that, again, given the Thurgood Marshall and yes. who he is to, to his, the history of this country. Right. So my, my final question for you uh, is, can you talk about what you'd like your legacy to be? If you think about that, what, what, what would you want your legacy to be? I think if I had to, if I had to sum it up uh, in a few words, I would say that I was, uh, you know, really inspired to help people, that I made a difference in someone's life. I will tell you, if I had a glass, we have cups here, <laughs> but if I had a glass, I would toast you because you. your inspiring that. journey is one that is absolutely timeless. It is timeless in terms of the inspirational value of it. And I hope it's a story that everyone listens to, that we all take heed to, and that we all use to propel and move us forward in this on this journey we call life. Thank you so much. So I, I greatly appreciate, appreciate you being Absolutely. a special guest today. Happy to be here. And I, well, I'm glad. It's good, it's good to have you here on your own show, on that own is. Show, on yeah. your own, very own show. And I want to thank you all for indulging me as the guest host of Self Made with D Brown CEO. As Dee would say, not only should you keep your eye toward the sky, but as he's going to join me, Dee Brown CEO, what do you always say? Without you, there is no, no me. me. Thank you.